0: This is the CHGO Cubs podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook. Download the app and use promo code CHGO when you sign up. Hello, everyone. My name is Corey. I am joined, as always, by Brendan. And this is the Friday edition of the CHGO Cubs podcast. It is Friday, January 13th, Brendan. And if folks are listening to this early in the morning on Friday and live in Chicago or have headed to Chicago, you are likely getting ready for CubsCon. It is that time of year.
1: So I've never been to CubsCon. I, 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 I said this last podcast, but have you gone ever before, Corey? Yes.
0: Yeah. It's 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 just one of those things where like I've never really been like a big like autograph um, or, like, even, like, like, I would love to meet some of them, but, like, I'm so weird, and, like, I don't really have any, I, I don't know what to say to a lot of these guys, like, You it, just, like, shake their it, hand and just stand Yeah, it'd there. be cool, but, like, I, you know, it's, it's, it probably would give me more, uh, social anxiety than anything else, you know, having to prepare yeah. to, like, meet Nico Horner. I'd be, like, nervous about that, rather than, like, enjoying it, so... Uh, well, I think he'd be friends
1: with us. I want to be nervous about Nico. maybe other guys. He perhaps.
0: yeah. um, but right? It, you know it it's it's a good time, um, if that's your kind of thing. and I, I think especially, you know, I know a lot of teams do this, but I think you especially see this at Cubscon. like it is always a a good reminder of just how like devoted this fan base is and the connection that. The team has to the city and the fans and you see so many people coming from all over uh you know that have made friends and and you know uh chosen families through the Cubs and um all the old time players new players that are you know being welcomed in I know I saw guys like Jamison Tyone tweeting uh Tucker Barnhart tweeting that they're you know heading to Chicago and looking forward to kind of being a part of this for the first time so um you know maybe not specifically you and I's kind of thing uh in some ways but it is still a a very fun and and you know I think special weekend and especially with the last couple years and COVID and all that stuff it's it's good that it's back in full swing
1: well we're going to see pictures of Nico and Dance Me like I'm looking forward to that the most of anything Mm -hmm. just those two getting pictures spectacular definitely on stage yeah and suit, you know it's also
0: uh, you know there's some interesting stuff right like i'm quite interested as to how that ricketts family panel goes it's been a while since they've done it um you know typically like the group at CubsCon is not always the most uh let's say critical right like i'm not well, the expecting last time it they were on to...
1: stage they booed him for marquee right that was the last CubsCon.
0: Yeah, I mean that be. is true. Uh I that that but that kind of lines up though. That was more like we're loyal Cub fans and we're WGN till we die kind of a vibe, right? Like yeah, I true. I'm just saying I'm not necessarily expecting um, you know, them getting tomatoes thrown at them for, you know, the budget or spending or uh trades and things like that, but uh, you never know. I mean, that's that's what I mean. It's I'm going to be very curious to see how that goes and um what kind of questions they get? What kind of questions they answer? Um, should be interesting.
1: Yeah, I, I'm, I, you know, I don't really care about the owner stuff. Like, it's going to be a bunch of owners speak. Sure. You know, like you yeah. can imagine what. The Rickers are going to say. I'm curious to hear what Carter Hawkins has to say with some of those questions. The offseason's wrapping up. They're not connected to Trey Mancini anymore. We've heard a lot from Jed, but I want to hear from Carter. I want to hear what his thoughts are with the pitching, with the direction, with the state of the team, the, the luxury tax. Like, to me, that's the most um, baseball related content that we're gonna get that might give us more information of uh, how the season is supposed to go.
0: Yeah. And I, you know, I mean, they you do hear a lot, you know. I know uh, I think I saw Brendan Davis was heading to town, um, so you know you get to to see some of those guys and and hear about what's going on um, in the farm system have a lot of those people and and you know the players and the coaches and the people a part of that infrastructure. So it is you know especially as we're in the off season, it's it is a nice opportunity to kind of get a lot of the organization together and to catch up on things and um, just have those discussions again. So. I think that's uh, something to look forward to. And, and, you know, it's just an indication that we're closer to baseball, right? You know, we've obviously spent we a lot are. of time talking about this team and how we're feeling about it, and we'll continue to do that. Um, but it is nice, you know, that CubsCon is here, which means it's about, you know, we're, we're getting nice. close. And I know they, I think they put out today that uh, Cubs pitchers and catchers reporting on February 5th, 15th and position players on February 20th. So, you know, we're about a month out, Brendan. It's it's about time to kick this off again.
1: And we're going to see them probably come sooner as well. We, we've even seen some of the prospects at the facilities, like the younger guys playing. So for all intents and purposes, baseball is back in my mind. Are you like have- upset
0: that we're not, and I mean, obviously, we haven't gotten any uh, you know, footage of Jason Hayward mm-hmm. and Mesa working on his swing?
1: Uh, you know, I'm kind of missing uh-huh. that. It's, it was a yearly tradition. tradition. Yeah. It was. I did see Hayward at Dodger Stadium, though, in his jersey. So, you know, I still got that a little bit yeah. in me.
0: He was notoriously yeah. one that would show up quite early and get and get that work in. So, Yeah, December. Uh, yeah. Uh, he is, You remember
1: that side-by-side we made of him in 2017? Yeah, I do.
0: You and I spent <laughs> a lot of time. I think we were trying to will it into existence, right? Like, if we yeah. hyperanalyze this enough, maybe it'll be...
1: Better and fixed. Well, I mean it was twenty seventeen. We were riding high, you know. Yeah. He had the personality, the World Series Championship. Like, yeah, of course Hayward's gonna return back to his, you know, Atlanta Braves days and that Cardinal day, but never happened. Alas.
0: Right. Yeah. So that is uh where we are. But yeah, uh, you know, kind of uh, a little bit uh near a month out, so kind of getting ready for that. And as we transition to, you know, kind of talking about where things are, uh, you know, not uh, too much major news as it relates to the Cubs, as you've kind of seen some of the reports out there, some of the discussions, you know, maybe some other minor ads, but this kind of looking like the group, right? Unless uh, some things change. And I know, I think it was via Caesars Sportsbook, putting out the odds um, 78 wins, the over-under, for the Chicago Cubs as it stands right now on January 13th. I'm curious what your initial thought is on that number. Um, A, you know, whether you would take the over-under, but also just at that being where the odds makers in Vegas have decided to place this line. You know, it's obviously very strategic as as far as they're concerned. So curious what you think about the number 78.
1: A little bit lower than I expected. I thought maybe really? we'd get around 80. Okay. Yeah, well, I'm not surprised, but I thought we'd get like 80 flat. So 78 is like marginally lower than my expectations, but I'm not surprised whatsoever. Once you get into that 78-82 range, for me, it's like no different. Um, I'm picking the over on that, but not to say like, hey, they're going to go like 85 wins. Like I'm thinking realistically you can have an idea of like 78 to 82 wins. Um, The reason they're probably low on the projection is no different than the other systems such as, Fangraphs and Steamer, they they hate the Cubs pitching staff. They don't think that Steele is going to provide the Cubs uh, greater than league average value. They don't like Kyle Hendricks coming back. Um, They think Tyone is what he has been, which is fine as a league average two-war pitcher. And they don't like any of the younger guys, fourth starter and down. They don't like Smiley. They don't like Wisniewski. They don't like them in their computer simulation. So as a result, you're going to get that lower win number. And then you have Hosmer and his volatility, you have the ups and downs of other players in years past, and they can't give the Cubs a confident estimate. So it's not surprising, and we've all talked about this for the past few weeks.
0: Yeah, I I, I thought that number was pretty much where I would have expected it to be. And it feels right, right, in, in terms of setting a line where you're wagering either above or, or under, because I think in doing that, um, you know, you're sort of deciding like, okay, does some of this stuff not work? Do they maybe trade some players, um, and do they stay under that projection, or does yeah. enough work out and they you know try to compete for a playoff spot a little bit through the season, and then you know you end up closer to five hundred, which is it feels like that's the decision, and you know our guy Cody Del Mendo can more accurately speak on like the the betting angle and and things like that but that feels when you look at this roster you look at how last year went the offseason to me that feels like the appropriate question to ask right and it ultimately boils down to do you think this team gets to or sniffs 500 or not right that feels like the appropriate question that I think this uh, win total is sort of asking you to choose. Obviously, you you know, they could hit 79 and hit the over and not be 500, but you're right there at that point, right? Like that's yeah. a, a very small deviation. So that feels like the right question to be asking about this team. Like, are, is it similar to well, last do you year? Take the, or are do they, you take the over you know, on that?
1: Say that again? Do you take the over on that? Oh, man.
0: <laughs> well, so, in, and why I think it's such a good line is that it it does still you have to ask that question right like if if things aren't going well do they
1: move guys well who they're gonna who are they gonna move
0: well it's 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 more so just that we've seen this team not really go for it in the second half right in in two straight seasons right and so I think if you're betting on a full season line you have to you have to Keep that threat in the back of your mind, don't you? That that for two straight years this team has actively made itself worse at the trade deadline, not organizationally, yeah. but for the actual. Team well, I mean, the they could
1: move Hap. That's like the big guy. They can move at the deadline for you know a whole of packages. But from the bullpen, they're going into it Brad Boxberger, and that's it. Mm. So you know they're not. You know maybe they can go out and move someone for another starting pitcher, a la what they did with Efros and Wisniewski, but. um, yeah, I'm taking the over just because I don't see them getting back like uh you know a significant haul of prospects as they've done the past two seasons. They don't have the volume. They have yeah. happened that's basically well, it. Well,
0: I mean, I you know, I don't know. Like say Cody Bellinger's having a nice season, you know, maybe they try to turn that into something. I don't know, right? That's like I, it that's just true. is yeah, one of those Bellinger things too. where you just never know. I mean, we saw rumors about Marcus Stroman like for all we know given that contract situation. I'm I'm not I've, it's January. I'm not like trying to get into trade go. Who trade, we trade talk. Have to trade. <laughs> (laughs) But I'm just, I'm just saying if you're, if you're trying to gamble on this, like, I don't know. My gut instinct, you know, you and I are both always like gluttons for punishment and thinking that they're going to be better than other people think so like i guess i would take the over but by how much i i don't know um
1: well i mean i guess a better question is do you think the cubs start out fast right because that's what this is modeling Mm -hmm. more or less yeah and i think like like, you you understand where you get to because
0: i think i think some fans you know maybe would look at this and say oh man you know like that's not that much better than last year like i would hope that they would better than that, right? Like but at the end of the day, like you you just have so many questions. And I think that's that's reflected in Vegas thinking that they're not quite a 500 team yet. You know, when you look at like I think I've seen some odds in the division like, you know, it's it's pretty heavy Cardinals, Brewers and a pretty distant yeah. uh, you know, third for the Cubs in terms of the money you'd have to to bet to make money. Um And I think that's fair, right? Like, you you have a lot, as we've discussed, I think you've raised the floor a lot. I think they're better than last year. But in terms of gambling and trying to handicap all of this, like, there's a lot of questions, right? Like, is Cody Bellinger is a good example. Like, his range of outcomes is gigantic, right? You know the floor he can provide on defense and as a base runner um, and some power, but like, as far as a hitter, he could literally be the worst hitter in the league, or he could literally be the best hitter in the league. We've seen him do both of those things. So Mm. that's a huge question. You know, what type of production do you get from an older, more defense-focused catching tandem throughout the course of an 162-game season? When does Matt Mervis come up and start contributing and how regular is that contribution you look at some of the projections for his offense on fangraph steamer whatever they like him you know they've got him projected as a decidedly above league average hitter like but is that for the whole season, you know, we don't know exactly what the Cubs plan is with that. Who's playing first base every day? Like these are things that are huge questions to answer and it leaves a lot that can potentially go right or wrong. So I understand like people trying to set these lines and, and ultimately make money based on where people are, are, are laying their money. I I think that this is a, a pretty logical conclusion to reach.
1: Yeah. So do you think the fans will also share your expectation and not being surprised about the seventy eight win projection? I feel as if most fans will be surprised. Like when I when I you think it's they, expected to be higher. Yeah. Like I think when like when I say I'm surprised, I'm surprised it wasn't eighty flat. Like, I thought, you know, it would be 80 flat. So it's really not that surprising. But there's going to be a large group of fans who do get excited about Dansby Swanson and Jameson Tyone. And they see Eric Hosmer's pass and Cody Bellinger's MVP pass. And there are some fans who think this is a markedly better team than last year who won 74 games. It's not that far off from a 74 win total they just had. Right.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that kind of goes back to the conversation that you and I had last week and, you know, I think has been a a large conversation amongst Cubs fans and and writers and podcasters, et cetera, that I I don't know if this number surprises me, but it does disappoint me, right? Like, if we went back to the end of last season and you told me, without telling me what they did in this offseason, right? Like, I'm looking at it blind, but that Vegas says 78 wins, I would be like, oh man, you know, really? Yeah, like they didn't do course. enough that odds makers think they can be a little better than that. Like we're not even hitting a 500 over under total. Like, man, that's, that's kind if of a bummer. So said, it's not surprising, but it's, it, it, right. it is sort of reflective of like, I think our, you know, feeling on, on the offseason falling a little short, even if it helped them,
1: I think, build a, a better team than last year. If you said, you know, three years ago, two years ago, rather, um, when they traded Darvish, that in three seasons from then, they'd have a 78-win projection, fans would absolutely, to your point about an, an, an analogy, throwing tomatoes at the Rickus, they would have thrown tomatoes at the Rickus at that point. And they would have been absolutely disgusted by by Jet. I think. I think the expectation at this point was to be well above 85 wins. So if you're missing your win total by, you know, five wins, that's just not acceptable. Like this, in no realm of reality should the Cubs be in this situation. Now you can think, okay, given the circumstances this offseason, they went about it in a logical way. That's, That's fair. However, they're going about it in a logical way based on decisions that were made two seasons ago and the season prior to that. So it's it's an accumulation of all these decisions that were made.
0: Yeah, well, and that, you know, and it'll be interesting too, um, you know, if we hear from Jed and um, I know you said you wanted to hear from Carter, but uh, as a lot of moves have been made and, you know, maybe we have, um, I, I don't want to say a final roster, but, you know, kind of like getting there, right? Like it will be interesting to hear Jed kind of speak about that. And I would assume that this is the type of, occasion where you know he'll get asked some of those questions right like you know where's the power it, well where is the power is it still a rebuild like are you know how confident are you in this team making the playoffs like it I, you know i i know that a lot of it as you said you know kind of referring to the owners is um you know exec speak right like you know he's not gonna just show us his cards completely um well he's done
1: that before but that's okay yeah, it
0: depends um yeah. Well, like when he showed us his cards on needing power, he—I guess he was bluffing. I don't—I don't know yeah. not to continue that I mean, analogy. When he said
1: that the uh, the core didn't want to be <laughs> right. That was yeah. So
0: you know. I don't know. Sometimes he shows us cards <laughs> that um, I, I'm not—I'm not sure if we're seeing the same thing. But um, it, it, it'll be a lot of exec speak. But uh, you know, I just. It'll be interesting to check in on some of that stuff and kind of gauge how he's feeling about things and at the very least be able to compare and contrast his words now with some of the other stuff that he's said, right? Does his tune change on certain things? Does the narrative change on certain things? Um and maybe we don't get that. But like I said, with CubsCon, it's it's obviously an occasion where everybody's together, everybody's talking about the Cubs, um, the organization itself, like obviously the purpose of the event is to uh, get fans together and generate excitement, right, and community and, and ultimately hope that that translates to better business going forward. So um, you are going to have to get some answers from some of these people that ultimately are getting people more excited for the season than when they see the aforementioned 78 win uh, over under projection.
1: Yeah. Well, Jed did give it a little bit of a hint. He talked with uh, uh, The Athletic and he said, quote, in short, pitching and defense are really important, but I don't think you just go into an offseason and say, this is what we're going to do. You have to be somewhat opportunistic with what's available, end quote. So that contrasted with the previous press conference where he said, you know, good teams blow teams out. And, you know, power was not there. So I think that type of tone, where I just read, you know, in short pushing and defense were really important, blah, 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 I, I think that will be just kind of regurgitated over and over again. And the market availability will just be a theme. And that deserves criticism because that's not really emblematic of a conscious plan um, that we've been accustomed to hearing for, for so many years. The first break here is from our sponsor, ComEd. The ComEd Energy Efficiency Program is committed to helping families and businesses in the communities whom they serve manage their energy usage while lowering energy bills now and into the future. ComEd offers a wide array of incentives on lighting and other efficiency upgrades to commercial, industrial, and public sector customers of all sizes across their territory. Customers can inquire about how to upgrade outdated lighting to energy and money-saving efficient LED lights, learn more about network lighting to operate their lights through mobile device and track their facilities usage, and more. Incentives have recently increased for indoor, outdoor lighting and network lighting controls, making these projects even more cost-effective than before. Visit comed.com slash poweringbiz now to start saving money and energy To start a project, contact them at 1-855-433-2700. For more information, email businessee at comed.com or publicsectoree at comed.com. Second break here is from our sponsor, Foco. Chicago, you've already got the best coverage for your favorite team, so get fitted out in the best sports gear around. Foco has you covered from Soldier Field to the living room, north or south side, with hoodies, slippers, signs, bobbleheads, and everything in between. Get decked out like DeMar with apparel from the leader in sports merch and collectibles, Foco. Looking for the perfect gift for the football fan in your life, Foco has you covered with hoodies to fight that Lake Michigan breeze. Check out Foco.com or click the link in the description of this podcast below. For all non-pre-still items, use the promo code CHGO for 10% off.
0: And you know, just like following up on, uh, you know, you mentioned the Bears there. Uh, as always, want to give a big shout out to our CHGO Bears team. Uh, great work uh, covering the season, but also uh, the the live reaction as the Bears secured the number one pick uh, was really something. And uh, you know, they're they're going to have you covered all offseason here in what figures to be a uh, you know, I think as Pat Hughes would say, a, a turning point um for go. the organization I, I i do remember you know it's obviously different in baseball brendan but like feeling those um you know seasons where the cubs were tanking in the first rebuild and the importance of those draft picks and developing it, it it's it's a weird spot because you you have to get to the bottom to get there and you don't really want to be there um but it is an it's an interestingly like exciting time as a fan when you are able to feel like that so much of what the organization is going to decide to do just has the just massive
1: implications. Yeah. Well, I'm just thinking about Pat. He was calling a bears game. I think that's what we need like one or two times in our life. I could see that, you know, cold snowy day, a beautiful blizzard on the field. I think we need that. Yeah, absolutely. Um,
0: all right. So back to the Chicago Cubs. I, you know, I know uh, Cody, Ryan, Luke, and, and the guys talked uh, a little bit about Carlos Correa, but just wanted to touch base with you. The saga is over, it Brendan. Is. He was introduced like he'd be he put on a uniform. Like it's, 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 it's over. It's done with. Yeah. He passed whatever physical he needed to pass. Um, yeah, I mean, there you go. I mean, it's it's one of those situations. It's pretty fascinating. I mean, we really haven't seen anything like that in in free agency, especially with a player of his caliber. Um, when you look back at this off season, how does Correa agreeing to terms with two uh, with two teams, two massive market teams, huge contracts? Um, and ultimately, having that fall through because of the the concern around his ankle long term, does that change your perspective on on this offseason at all? Does it change your perspective on Jed or how he approached things or or Dansby's contract? Like now that that's really over and done with, do, do, does it kind of
1: change anything for you? I think it does. I, I think when you look at the contracts given out, Bogart's twelve years. Close to 300 million. Trey Turner, 330, 13 million, whatever it was in that tier. And then Correa with the uncertainty on that leg. I'm not a doctor, not a medical doctor. The drop from 350 down to. You two- are a doctor. Well, not in that sense. But the drop from 350 down to 200, like, that's a significant drop. So, like, I don't know what's going on. I can't say, oh, the Cubs should have been in on this on 200 million, but maybe they shouldn't have. I don't know. This seems like a a Mm -hmm. crazy injury. I don't know how I feel about that. What I do know, Corey, is that the Cubs have Dansby Swanson for seven years, 177 million compared to Trey Turner and Xander. They aren't strung down for an additional five to six years in his late 30s, early 40s, and they're getting an annual average value that is on par with the best defenders and hitters in the leagues. So there's a high probability that Dansby is the one to actually produce the value for which he's being paid. Compared to Xander, compared to Trey Turner, towards the end of those deals, you know the likelihood is they're not going to produce the amount of wins that their annual average values paying them to do so. But the argument there is, well, up front, Trey Turner, Xander, they're likely to produce more WAR. Than Dansby Swanson in their early going, that's a fair argument. But the total sum, I think you can make the argument that Dansby is the guy most likely to produce the value for that contract for Correa. I don't know how I feel about that, Corey. That is a huge. Mm -hmm. This has never happened before. Never.
0: Yeah, I mean, it was obviously it's fascinating, and you know, I think like it's interesting to think about it from the perspective of Jeds kind of risk averse profile right which is clearly something that is uh, part of his reputation and something that we've seen play out when you're you know when we heard I think originally that like the Cubs you know they were never going to offer him like 12 years right um they don't know that about his ankle at the time so the the risk averse sort of strategy is there whether or not that's the case obviously if they had engaged and you know Jed had kind of relented on that it certainly I think the Cubs would have done the same thing the Mets and the Giants did right um but I just say that to say like it's it's not necessarily validating in Jed's strategy in in Korea specifically because like I said like unless they had some kind of secret source I guess like they didn't I don't think they knew that about like, you don't have a physical before you've agreed to a deal, right? Yeah. But it is an example of the type of thing that I think Jed would say, like, look, whether we knew this or not, this is the type of thing that I'm concerned about. This is what what gives me pause if I were
1: considering a- Just a general contract, injury potential 12- or like the, the the idea of that being a possibility long term 10 years from now.
0: Right, yeah. yes. Some sort of lingering injury or just some sort of drastic change that happens long down the road, but long down the road that we've committed a bunch of money to. So, you know, again, like I I, I still think that in, in a lot of cases, you're going to have to get uncomfortable if you want to get certain players. Um, and it doesn't mean that you ignore concerns like this. It doesn't mean that this stuff can't happen. Um, but it is sort of just an interesting way for the shortstop market to officially come to a close because we've talked about it for quite some time now, and it is just rather um, interesting, I guess is the first word that comes to mind, (laughs) that it ends with uh, something that I think Jed would say like yeah this is why I didn't give anybody a 12-year contract and we're happy sure. with Dansby Swanson. Well you
1: to your point that you've been saying all along your job is to put a good team on the field and right now your team's not good so you know don't go out and sign Correa but your team is projected to believe be, right. <laughs> to be below 500 so <laughs> I guess congratulations for not signing the guy who has like a messed up leg but then congratulations to your team being below 500 you know.
0: Yeah. I mean, right. Like that's, that's kind of the balance and that's ultimately where you have to kind of figure this stuff out. And I think, you know, like I like the way that the twins structure that contract, right? Like if they end up, uh, if it ends up going beyond those initial, I think six years, it's going to be because he's healthy and he's hitting these milestones of, you know, games played or or whatever they baked into that contract. So at that point, who cares? Right. And if it doesn't, then
1: that's not going to vest and they're not going to have to deal with that. So um, I will say yeah. my, my initial reaction when I saw that 200 million, like right when I saw that early in the morning, I was like, damn, you know, 200 million for Cubs career. Like I, I wanted to be in on that. And as I started to get my morning going and thinking about it and thinking about the, the, the leg injury and all the uncertainties from multiple doctors across multiple front offices, the question in my mind came up. like, what do I know about that? Like, how can I say the Cubs? should have been in on this when you have medical professionals saying this is a legitimate concern so yeah to me because of that i'm whatever about it it sucks for korea to have been in that situation although you know 200 million i'll take that 200 million but in general to go from like 350 down to 200 that is insane that Mm -hmm. has to cause even concern about twins fans and the probability that he may not be able to that hitter they even saw last year in two three years just given the volatility and uncertainty of an injury like that well and I
0: I I can also imagine
1: you and I having a
0: conversation that we've had for several years where you know we get the report on Monday that Correa's (laughs) sitting because of his ankle you already know what I'm going to (laughs) do yeah Yeah. Correa's sitting because his ankle's You know, it's sore or David (laughs) Ross says then three days later, he's still not in the lineup, but he's still not on the I.L. Right. And then we get to like day nine where he could have just been on the 10 day injured list. And they're like, yeah, Yeah. he's going to go have an MRI. You know what I mean? And then five days later, it's like, oh, we're putting him on the I.L. (laughs) Like We know how that would play out with the Cubs. We've seen it a thousand times.
1: You're missing the finale. He comes back after three weeks, tests it out, shuts down, surgery done. And that's it. Right. Oh, man, we say like
0: And then I get a text from Brendan at three in the morning saying,
1: Why didn't they just do the MRI in the first place? Absolutely. (laughs) And I will be right about that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So, um, yeah, there you go. Uh, Dansby's very durable, and hopefully we don't have to. I mean,
1: he played every game last year. We we never talked about that. that. Yeah. And I think uh, Dansby even said that he and Ross may have some friendly disagreements about his playing time because he wants to play every day. I love that about him.
0: Yeah, so we shall see. But that is uh, ultimately, uh, as we sit here on, you know, I think it, you know, it obviously wrapped up a few days ago. But you know, officially, as we're here on January thirteenth, all of the shortstops are gone. They we came and went. We had that off season, and there you go. The Cubs did get one, and they uh, were not one of the teams involved in this ever-going multi multi-year agree agreement and yeah. uh backing out and changing uh, of Carlos You court. know so. I
1: just thinking about this and CubsCon and Shorestops I hope that someone from the media like or fan I don't care who it is ask about a Nico extension like you know or this the, the arbitration guys extension you know Ian Happ Nico I I need to hear like what's going on there Yeah yeah, for sure. That would be
0: that would be good news. Uh, if you're not going to continue, you know, making additions to the roster as it stands, you know, at least sort of shaping some of the future would be, I think, a nice uh, way to finish out this this off season. Uh, speaking of CubsCon, I'm sure the answer is no, but like now, I don't know what made me think of this. Uh, genuinely, mm-hmm. but I have this like vision in my head of uh, Theo in like one of his costumes, you know, his disguises, one of his bears. like lingering yeah. through the the hotel and and comic like and like maybe this asking Jed questions just to like, you know, get a rise out of him, that type of thing. I could see that, you know. Yeah.
1: I but he still has that bear costume that he wore, you know. That Well, that
0: I well, people would recognize that one. That's true. Yeah. Well, the one that he was wasn't he putting champagne
1: through one of the eyes? He, he sure was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or you know what? He has that uh fake mustache, you know. Fake mustache. Yeah. yeah. That's a great one. Yeah. And
0: just, like, you know, go into one of the panels, like, hey, Jed, I'm just, you know, wondering if you could speak on your predecessor doing a, a much better job yeah. than you and, you know, being smarter what if he comes and out better like, looking
1: Like a you? Walter White costume, you know, shaved head, a little bit of mustache, yeah. glasses. I can see it. Yeah.
0: I just, I, li- I just like the idea that Theo is, like, so accomplished and, and probably very busy in his new role, but that he would still take the time to come and, you know, know, try to mess with Jed, maybe have a few drinks and just screw up Well, around. I
1: think he moved out of Wrigley. Or Chicago, right? Yeah, I think he did. Dang.
0: Yeah. Oh. Yeah, I think I. I they did one of those real estate articles. I, I toured virtually. Oh, so did I. Know, Theo's house. Oh my God, yeah. this
1: is where, you know, he signed John Lester at <laughs> Yeah, <moment>. right,
0: <laughs> right, exactly.
1: Uh.
0: Um. Yeah, so that is the state of the off season. I, I mean, if we talked about this last time, you know, how to allocate if there was kind of a small amount of money. Left, um, and you know, it really sounds like maybe a bench player, that type of thing. But I, you know, for me, my biggest question with this team is still what happens at third base. And you have like a, a mix of players who can probably handle it. Um, that probably being Christopher Morrell, Patrick Wisdom, uh, Zach McKinstry, and Miles Mastroboni, right? I don't think I'm forgetting anyone.
1: Nah, uh, that's basically it, yeah.
0: Um, obviously, you know, I don't think you're going to have all these guys make the team or break camp with the team. You certainly have other questions like, are you going to be using a roster spot for Matt Mervis on day one? I certainly hope the answer to that is yes. I I don't know um, what would make me comfortable with the answer to that being no. But, you know, just in terms of like how you're, you're building out the roster, when I know you were you were thinking out loud the other day on Twitter about Christopher Morrell and just his athleticism, his arm and just how that would play into third base. Do you uh, do you lean some kind of platoon? Do you lean letting Morrell, maybe if he looks comfortable at the position defensively, get a shot at that? Like, it's such an interesting thing because some of the names involved, I I think like you're probably looking at Morrell and Wisdom getting a lot of that time, right? Like, they just have such volatility in them, you know? Um, we talked a little bit about the defense in particular, but, like, even just on offense, right? Like, you know, Christopher Morrell has some adjustments to make at the plate, and we saw he's one of those players that we saw at just the highest of highs in, in the early season and when he first came up, and some real lows where that strikeout rate was out of control. Uh, so that, to me, as we head into... Cubs con and and you know a month out from pitchers and catchers like that to me is the most fascinating position on this team because I just don't I have no idea what they plan to do there and I feel like even if we tried to figure it out now it could look completely different by the time they break camp or you know as the season gets rolling
1: yeah with morell as you said comes up he looks good strikeout rate is league average contact rate 70, 72%. And then the league adjusts and his strikeout rate goes and balloons up to 34%, reaches 40% by August. He did have a stretch there in July where he normalized, but not only did his strikeout rate go up and down from like 22% in May to 40% in August, but his walk rate started at 13% and dropped down to 1% in August. Um, so there's just growing pains in a profile like this. His defense is interesting. We've seen the athleticism. The arm strength is off the charts. He has arm strength that's like in the 99th percentile. We saw him make good plays at shortstop when he was there, showcasing athleticism. He did play some second base some third base all over the outfield. He played mostly in center field, but could play the corners if needed. These are versatile Swiss Army Ben esque tool that the Cubs, at least towards the end of last season, hinted would be his role. But with Cody Bellinger now at center field, with a, with a hole at third base, assuming Wisdom also gets the DH at-bats and some time at first base, and even Wisdom's defense did not rate that well at third base last year. There's a the potential that Morrell has an opportunity to seize third base and not be that utility guy. I was thinking when you uh, pointed that out that if Morel does get consistent time at third base to develop, maybe that is in the best interest of the Cubs and then use Master Boney, use Mc, uh, McKinstry to go around the diamond and pray that their outfield is stable with Ian Happ and saya and Bellinger and they don't have to use a rotating set of utility guys. I think that's in the best case for the Cubs. Now going into the year, or the offseason rather in November, I probably would have thought I wanted Morel to be that utility guy. I think I'm shifting a little bit. Just given how the Cubs have operated, given some of their prospect developments, um, given what their intentions might be with Brennan Davis and Canario and PCA. Brennan Davis can base play center field, PCA might move through the system fast if all things go well. Third base is right there, and I do wonder if he can take hold of that. And I'm reminded, too, when Ian Happ was talking uh, with our guys on uh, our pod a few weeks ago, he said one of the reasons why he developed into a gold-glove guy in left field was because of that consistent playing time. Not Not having to play center field, not having to play second base. He was a natural second baseman coming up. So that automatically makes me think, okay, if your main guy in the outfield, is saying that, then what if we apply that logic to a young guy, Morrell, and not mm-hmm. make the same mistake we made with Ian Happ? I'm not saying that was a mistake, but it just took Ian a long time to get to the to the point where he is a stable outfielder. Maybe yeah. it makes sense from day one to put Morrell in as your guy and go through those growing pains.
0: Well, and, and not you know, uh, you 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 always knew that my favorite quote from me and Hap yeah, was in that first big league yeah. camp when he said, "I just want to be as versatile as possible." Talking to I think Sean Casey on the MLB Network, <laughs> um, and you know, at the time and with that roster, like that was probably the most valuable thing but you know and and this isn't a, a dig at happy just want a gold glove but like you know not everybody can be Ben Zobrist, right Ben Zobrist is a very special player because champion. he was able to play all over the field and do it you know pretty adequately at, at every position if not better than adequately and just be the same guy right that's why he was incredible that's why he had the success that he did um, not everybody can do that and excel at the different positions and the skills that it takes to excel at them um yeah I mean I think with Morrell it's a lot to put on him right and I agree with you I think that on a different roster I really like him as a utility guy right just the the athleticism that he provides the speed he provides the potential power that he provides I think he's like a, a perfect candidate he's for that. a
1: Chris Taylor kind of guy
0: yeah well and like good chris taylor not the bad one that we saw i think last year um but i think with this group right they might need morel to be more than that right if they want to be good um and you can obviously you know you don't need him to play 162 games you know wisdom has obviously shown what he can provide and and the value that he has against you know certain matchups and things like that But when you are talking about, okay, like, how do we lift a team that, you know, we're talking about them having a a 78 win over under, like, how do we lift them above that, right? And one thing that we've talked about a ton, and I think they did a good job of, is, you know, cleaning up the margins, right? Like being better on the bases, being better on defense, doing things to win one-run games, which those two things do, and a lot of other things do, and they lost a ton of one-run games last year. So I think they've done good work at that, but then like one of the other ways is you need breakouts, right? And Matt Mervis is obviously the I think, the kind of talk of the town in that regard, right? Because if he comes up and he performs as he was in the trajectory he was on in the minors, well, great. Now you've got a a, just a slugging first baseman that's just ripping home runs at a crazy pace. That would be wonderful, right? Uh, But I think Morrell also maybe is one of those guys you can look at and say, like, does he have, you know, star potential, and can you unlock it and it it may not be something that's easy to do and again this is a lot to put on him right and and having to make the adjustments that he does to be able to to sustain his success at the plate but maybe that's one of the avenues that you should be looking at you know like well, we i think you know do what it. patrick wisdom can do and is there a lot more value in saying hey like Maybe if we let Christopher Morrell get comfortable playing defense over there and start out hitting toward the the, the bottom portion of the lineup again and just focus on, on being a better MLB hitter, maybe you sacrifice a little bit of something to make a little more contact here and there. Maybe that working out, whatever percentage you put on that working out, maybe it working out is something we really
1: need to prioritize and see if it can shake out that way. GameTime is the hottest new ticketing site that makes it easier than ever to score the best deals on tickets to sports, concerts, and shows if you've ever dreamed. In a seat you never thought you could, like the 50-yard line, court side, behind, home plate, floor seats, at a concert, it's now possible with the Game Time app. The biggest last-minute price drops can be found on the seats you thought you could never buy. You won't find a better deal this season on Blackhawks games, Bulls games, Cubs, spring training coming up here in the next two months. This app is created by the fans. For the fans, so you know it guarantees the lowest price. If you love CHGO, then you will love Game Time. The best way to support us is by buying your tickets through the link in this description. You can join over 15 million people who have downloaded the Game Time app and score the best seats to all your favorite events. Second break here from DraftKings. The NFL playoff picture is locked in and my go-to place for wildcard round action is DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. To kick off the road to Super Bowl 57, new customers can bet just $5 and get 200 in free bets instantly. Plus, all new and existing customers can get a no-sweat bet each day of the wildcard round this weekend. Just place any NFL bet of your choice, and if it loses, you'll get a free bet back up to $10. Action so good. Why bet NFL playoffs anywhere else? Right now... The line for the Giants and the Vikings is just three points. The line is much larger for the Seahawks and Niners at 10 points. Those might be two games you can get in on. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code CHGO and new customers can bet just $5 on the NFL and again, get 200 in free bets Instantly, only at DraftKings. Sportsbook with code CHGL, minimum age, and eligibility restrictions do apply. See show notes for details. All
0: right, Brendan. So as we wrap up here, uh, one thing I did want to touch on, the MLB Pipeline account talked to some... um, MLB execs about uh, you know the the systems and reputations and things like that. And one of the takeaways was that uh, the Cubs, you know, had, got some some pretty strong praise in in this article over from MLB Pipeline. Um, one thing that they stated was that they feel like the Cubs have one of the most underrated farm systems um, specific mentions of them being one of the best organizations at developing pitchers and developing hitters um, and just like their overall standing of their farm system they didn't necessarily have them at the the tippy top in terms of farm systems but just a lot of you know high marks in terms of how they're developing players um, what the overall standing of the system is things like that and you know I I look like how much stock you put in that I is up to you uh ultimately like I think for a lot of us uh it's really what happens you know once are you producing stars are you producing that pipeline that, that gets to the major league roster but I think for as we track the organization and we track uh this current rebuild that I, we're we're allowed to call it that right we Jed? Are. yeah I'm assuming Jed is listening like we're gonna we're gonna call it he that, listens right? to every like, episode like, we you, know you kind of miss the 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 window to prove that that wasn't the case. Yeah. So, as we track all of this, like again, like I think a lot of people would probably prefer they were in a better spot at the major league level and, and getting ready for what we were, you know, confident would be a, a potential World Series season at this point. It is worth, I think, taking the time to note this stuff, right? Because we, as fans, especially, you know, even just your and I's age. Brendan, like we've seen this system in disarray, right? And the reputation of the Cubs and their prospects and their development and every level of that was horrible. And so, you know, to be in a place where you're getting good marks like that from other executives around the league and your reputation
1: has reached that point, there's there's worse things in the world, right? Yeah, I, listen, the Cubs have a high volume of prospects. We we always knew that, and there's so many guys you can see. Hitting their ceiling and being like 60 out of 80 plus value guys. You can look at P. Crow Armstrong, with the defensive floor being so high and the offensive potential being there. You can see him being like a four plus win player in the same type of tier as we're talking with Dancy Swanson. Like with these, and they look at Kevin O'Contra the size, the power, the development last year. Even lower in the system now with the super high ceiling guys like Christian Hernandez, James Triantos, uh, Owen Casey. Progressed. He's at the AFL. Uh, he was at the AFL, rather. That's a big moment for him. New uh, drafty, Kate Horton. Caleb Killian got some innings last year. Jordan Wicks Mike, innings this year. DJ Hurst was aggressive in his promotion to double A. And then you have Jackson Ferris, Cubs, second round draft picks last year, who has a lot of good stuff. Uh, Canario coming back from injury. Ed Howard looks healthy. Reggie Preciado is healthy. Ben Leaper. Like These are a lot of names, Corey. I'm getting exhausted saying them. But of that group, I think the criticism is that they don't have those surefire guys where we, we've we been accustomed to the Chris Bryans and all of those guys, the Javi is the top five prospects in the game. They don't have those guys right now, and that leaves a lot of fans a little bit on edge because the prospect system and the rebuild before this one, it seemed like, okay, once they get their chance, we will have a pretty good idea what this team looks like. For this team right now, you can also look at the guys who just listed off. You can look at Brennan Davis and be worried about his back injury. You can, work, you can look at Pete Crowe armstrong and wonder, can he hit at double A next year? You can look at uh, Owen Casey and see that strikeout rate and that power at a high A last year and wonder, does he need a hit for more power or is he sacrificing too much power for contact right now? You can look at Caleb Killian and wonder what the hell happened to your command. DJ Hertz, why was your walk rate astronomically high almost to double digits last year? Jackson Ferris is, has barely played professional baseball. Canario had two significant injuries. These were questions we didn't have with the previous core. The one concern we did have with the previous core was Javi Baez's strikeouts. That was essentially it. And he was able to go in and fix that, go from a contact rate of like the mid 50s uh, to upper 50s in the percents uh, upwards to passable for, for power. So I think the reason why it's Uh, rated as underrated is just because there's so many varying opinions on these guys and that's represented by all those huge ceilings and potential concerns we just listed off
0: yeah i this is not especially relevant. I, well, kind of, but I just can't resist myself. Yeah. Uh, one of the other concerns, you mentioned Javi in the previous core, was Chris Bryan's strikeout rate. And I am always <laughs> uh, fond to mention that he lowered it every year he did. Uh, drastically because he's incredible. And as a reminder, from 2015 to 2019, there were only two MLB players that were more valuable uh, as a position player than Chris Bryant. And that was White Trout.
1: And Mookie Betts. That's it. Man, Just I know your, I, I your miss your those. Annual days.
0: reminder for me of how good Chris Bryant was. I
1: miss those days, Corey. When we when we, were, when we would talk about that, you know, that 2017, yeah. that 2018 era, you know. <sighs>
0: you and I were probably pretty
1: annoying. Oh, we and I think we still are pretty annoying. I think you know.
0: Yeah, but the team <laughs> being bad, I think, lessens our ability to be annoying.
1: Uh, I don't know it's not up for us to decide. Uh,
0: you know, look, yeah, I think ultimately, like, you know, what uh, this type of, you know, poll or, or whatever MLB pipeline did, like, you know, you can put whatever value in it you want. I just, I think it's interesting because that the organization itself has overhauled so much of this. They've they've brought in new coaches, they brought in new systems, they, they talk about it a ton. And, you know, it's better that it seems to be going well, right? If you're going to invest that much in it—time, energy, um, money, etc.—like it's it's good that the reputation is good and seemingly continues to get better each uh passing season right like if the organization is going to put this much into it it would be pretty scary i think if people were like oh the cubs development stinks i you know they spent a bunch of money and hired all these coaches i don't know what they're doing (laughs) over there right it's 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 better than that alternative
1: yeah well we were in that alternative reality in 2019 where you know coaches and people inside baseball wondering what the hell are the cubs doing like right. some people were saying the Cubs have the worst pitching <laughs> infrastructure in the league. And they weren't wrong. Ultimately, we saw those results or lack thereof. So there there was a point in time not too long ago where the Cubs were perceived to be way behind the rest of the league in development and they're not there. And some people think they're at the top, if not the best. That is a drastic turnaround.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's 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 a better better place to be than some others. So um But we do need to see I,
1: results, you know?
0: Yeah. No. Absolutely. That's where, obviously. that's where I am with it. Yeah. I. I'm. I am definitely on. I'm definitely on board with that. Um, we do need to see it at the MLB level. Um, I. I think that's you know pretty much the gist of what we have for you. I think you know again like I. I don't necessarily expect that this is the end of the off season here uh but I I would think that anything else that happens is probably minor I, I I just don't get the sense that they're they're in on anything else like that but you know as always like trades can pop up at any time um we have heard you know,
1: some Nick Matrical rumors Corey
0: yeah I, I I couldn't really tell if those were actual rumors or just kind of speculative um uh, you know how I would feel about that um you know yeah, I know. I don't have a car, but if he needs a ride to the airport, <laughs> I'll figure it out. Right?
1: Well, you have done that in the past, you know, drive players to the airport.
0: Uh, yes, I did. Yeah. Corey Seager. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Um, So, you know, and, and, that's, and that's another thing, too. Like, the Cubs have to decide uh, what to do there. There's only so much playing time. And, you know, even we were listing off those names at third base. Like, some of those guys can play more than one position. And, you know, you just don't have a ton of room for uh, you know some not necessarily strong hitting middle infielders right and i I think the magical situation like I it's it's sort of in in jest at least a little bit I don't I don't hate the dude yeah, um, you do. I you know how I feel about that profile of player that is not a new thing for me I am not a fan of no power contact heavy you know singles kind of guy not
1: true. That's not true. You like Mark Rizalanik. Uh,
0: Well, the 2003 Cubs are different.
1: You know <laughs> I mean, you mean? liked you, Ryan you, Terrio.
0: Who did? <laughs> you did. You, you, I, listen, <laughs> I need all of you to understand that what Brendan just said is erroneous, <laughs> and I will not have that attached to my name. I did not ever, and I never will, like Ryan Terrio.
1: He was good, man. He had like a war. He had like a weighted on base average of like 341 I don't that year, 2008. Care. I don't he hit care. seven home runs in one year.
0: I don't care. And you know, it's grossly against the rules to be having this conversation. <laughs> I do. <laughs> anyway, um,
1: Mike it, it, to is, know? it
0: is interesting. Like, I don't know what the trade value there would be, but I, I think the, the, the issue that I have, you know, for Nick and, and kind of trying to figure out where he fits on this roster is just. Like, where are you going to find the spot to give him an op, op in order to prove whether or not he can be the hitter that he was in the brief time he was up at the MLB level with the White Sox, right? Um, He needs time, and I just—I'm not sure where you're going to get that, right? Defensively, he's got to play second base, and Nico and Dansby should play, what, a minimum 150 games together, right? So there's no time there. And even if Mervis doesn't come up right away and you let Hosmer kind of hold things down at first until he's ready, you cannot use the DH spot on a guy that can't hit the ball to the wall. You can't do that, you know, on a team that doesn't have any power. If you had a ton of power everywhere else and you just needed to insert a contact heavy guy to cut down on some of the strikeouts, maybe I would entertain it. But de- you're going to have a designated hitter that g- can't hit the ball 350 oh, yeah. feet? That doesn't make sense to me, Brendan. Yeah. Like, I, I can't justify that. So it becomes a situation where it's like, where does he get the playing time? You know? If you're interested in a guy like Zach McKinstry and seeing what he can do and, you know, the, the status that he had with the Dodgers and trying to, like, figure that out, you might have the opportunity for that. And he can play multiple positions. You're not really sure about third base, et cetera. But... I just am not sure where Madrigal gets that chance to to kind of prove that. So if you're the organization, you'd have to
1: kind of believe that that was going to happen without seeing it. Well, the devil's advocate response is that, you know, he's infield depth. To have someone that might be able to get back to some periods of his career where he was league average, slightly above league average offensively, that is worth the league minimum. That might be what they're thinking, you know? But then- yeah
0: i mean i look i'm not look my my issue would come if he were eating a ton of playing time and you know the results were kind of what we saw last year you know it's just at some point just as true of anybody else like you can have runway to figure things out and and prove it um you know or develop into the player you need to be but ultimately like that runway can't be forever you know and i you know again like like I under you know a depth piece sure but like he you cannot let him dh you know (laughs) you can't dh someone that doesn't have any power that's that's my philosophy I I, I know we're new at having the dh uh so prior to this I wasn't really considering it too much I was just interested in watching John Lester hit an opposite field home run once a year but like (laughs) the the person doing that unless you are overcome with power everywhere else you cannot have a dh that can't hit for power Minimum.
1: Well, I hate to break it to you, but he might be DH on day one. That, I,
0: that's an embarrassing decision, preemptively. I'm just like, saying. that's, that's Brendan, that's embarrassing. I,
1: You're talking to the same person about this. The
0: league is giving you a, a free hitter, and that's what you're doing with it? Yeah. That's terrible.
1: They may do it. They terrible. may do it. We'll see. I don't know. I mean, I think the roster is very different than... It was in, in makeup, the rules have changed from when he was acquired. You have more depth in Master Boney and uh, McKinstry. Morel came out of nowhere, the the, the development in the minors have progressed a little bit. There's no shift. You have Matt Mervis coming up. I do think the context has changed where his role may be best served as a trade chip, but I just won't believe it until it actually happens. This team has not really been able to pull off those types of of deals at this point, Corey. So we'll, we'll see. Yeah. yeah. Can we like? Can we include him in a trade for
0: some like star that I don't know the Diamondbacks don't want or something like that, <sighs> or the Rockies? I don't know. I so desperately want to be in on one of those trades one time. It looks so funny. Where I it's like, they... oh, we got a potential Hall of Famer for nothing. <laughs> yeah, I know. One day.
1: Maybe one day.
0: One day we're gonna need Jed to maybe be open to being uh you know have some risk potential at some point in his life
1: so. he says he does like to commit you know yeah
0: um all right well that's what we have for you uh as we said if you're listening to this on friday morning uh and are going to cubs con uh, attending some of the meetups around town with people that are in town or just you know checking things out on marquee uh enjoy uh, it's good to have a little bit of Cubs baseball back in our lives. We'll get, you know, obviously some looks at some of the new faces interacting with their teammates and the fans and wearing their jerseys and things like that. So that's always exciting. Uh, obviously, next week, uh, the CHGO Cubs team back with you, Live shows on Monday, starting Monday. And, you know, uh, Luke, Cody, Ryan, and, uh, you know, everybody else that's part of our team will Breakdown any of the goings-on that are, are worth breaking down from this weekend. Kind of take a look at the weekend that was, uh, interesting or otherwise. And then, of course, Brendan and I will be back with you next Friday uh, to continue talking about this Cubs off offseason. Um, I'm hoping it's been a while, but hoping to get back in the studio, Luke and Cody and Ryan, next week. Uh, so, you know, obviously I know so many of you can't miss my – live on-camera appearances. So you can look forward to those getting back up now that I'm back in Chicago from the holidays. Uh, And other than that, we appreciate you guys' support of CHGO, everything going on at CHGO and the CHGO Cubs podcast. Don't forget to use that code CHGO when you sign up at DraftKings. Thank you for listening. We will talk to you again soon. And as always, go Cubs!